We're in Daniel chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading the first 23 verses. Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show you its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? And Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. And Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heavens concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. 
To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we ask, what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the sacred scriptures. Thank you again. We can see your greatness. We can see your power, your wisdom, your majesty. And we see you as our sovereign God, God of heaven and earth and all that is in it. Help us now, Father, as we come here this morning to, to listen to what your word has to say to our minds and our hearts. Help us, Father. Help me to be clear. Help me to speak the truth in love with a tender heart. Help me to be faithful to the sacred, holy scriptures. But thank you now, Father, for this morning. Thank you again. We can come and sit under your word and be built up in Christ Jesus. So we can be a healthy body, a church that reflects your light, your glory, your honour in this dark world. To help us now, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here we see God's rule once again. Actually, throughout the entire book of Daniel, we're going to see that our God rules. And here we see our God rules the impossible. But the question is, do, do we believe that our God rules the impossible? I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what impossible task is before you. In the workplace, in your home, your marriage, your parenting. But do you believe that God rules the impossible? We should believe that God rules the impossible. Why? Because if we're in the scriptures, we will see that God has told us that he can rule the impossible. In Luke chapter 1, verses 34 to 38, an angel appears to Mary and said, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who, has called, who was called barren. And then we hear these words. For nothing will be impossible with God. That should encourage us. And there was a time when an angel appeared to Abram and said, Abram, is anything too hard for the Lord? We should all answer, no. No. So why don't we hold on to those encouraging words? God rules the impossible. Why don't we believe that? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you do. Maybe you doubt, doubting Thomas. Or maybe you think, my little thing that is impossible is not really relevant to God and he doesn't take notice of it. Or God does. He's all-knowing, all-seeing and all-powerful. But we can talk about God. We can, we, can, we can exalt God. But when you go to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, and you hear these words, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God never said his name then. 
He just said, I am. Who I am. And when you, when you, when you read these words, it's, it's, it's knowing who God is that gives us the belief and the faith to, to trust God, the God who rules the impossible. When we read I am who I am, we are dealing with the God who absolutely is. He is who He is. We, we can't make Him out to be anything else. He's a spirit and God is who He is. He does what He does. He wills what He wills. And then reading around, someone says this in, in such beautiful words. He does not conform to anything outside Himself. He is not striving to become something He would like to be. He is ultimate, unoriginated, absolute, independent, self-sufficient, final reality. That's who I am, who I am is. But today we, we make God out to be like us. Same feelings, same emotions. Our God loves us, He cares for us. And we make God to be another God, a figment of our imagination. But if we're in the Scriptures, we all know that I am who I am is I am. And if you want to know who that is, that's Yahweh, Lord, L-O-R-D, capital caps. God is who He is, therefore He rules the impossible. How encouraging is that? For nothing will be impossible with our true God. And in Daniel chapter 6, we eventually get to see how God rules the impossible as well. We'll see how God helped Daniel. Daniel trusted God because Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. If you read that, he doesn't even argue with God. He doesn't say, why God? Why are you doing this to me? He just goes into the lion's den. And we know that he's rescued from the lion's den. And this is what we read in verse 23 of Daniel chapter 6. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he trusted in his God. Now the sad thing is, I don't know who you are or what you are, but people can turn this around and claim this verse. If you trust in God, you can have no harm. God is just going to give you a blessed life. If you trust him. And the reason why you're having problems in life is because you're not trusting God. Look at Daniel. He trusted God. Look how he came through. No harm was done to him. We can twist scripture. We can make God out to be what he really is not. And we'll see in Daniel how God delivers people through their sufferings and also from their sufferings. Like God will deliver us through death and from death. God just wants us to trust him. And we are happy to do that. And we say, Lord, your will be done. I'm here to submit to you. Daniel's faith in God allowed him to trust God. That's what is so important. If we read the book of Daniel, what should be strengthened is our faith. To trust in God. Not to walk around thinking, oh, I wonder if this God will, will show favour like he did to Daniel. I wonder if I can be a Daniel in this world. No, it strengthens our faith. Because this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Hebrews is a beautiful book and we've been stuck in Hebrews for a long time and Lord willing we finish it soon. 
But Hebrews chapter 11 is all about who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. It was through faith that they did these things. Not looking at what the outcome is going to be. Not worried about the outcome. Because they know they're going to be delivered from or through the outcome. Psalm 22 verse 4 says, In you, that is God, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. God will either deliver us from the impossible or through the impossible. That's all we need to trust. Is God to be God in the impossible. It's our faith that stirs up our heart to trust God and to believe that God rules the impossible. And this is what we want to look at this morning. We'll probably just get through one thing. I'm not going to skim over the book of Daniel because there's so much we can learn. And Daniel points to Christ as well. Daniel, God is my judge. So the first thing that I want to look at this morning to encourage us to help us to believe that God rules the impossible, for us to trust God with the impossible. The first thing to look at is that there has to be an impossible thing. So there is, there is an impossible demand that comes from the king, which we already read in chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. It's amazing, in chapter 1, and then you move into chapter 2, which I think is a year or two has gone by, that there was a time when the the um, king was celebrating his new wise men. Now he wants to put them all to death. Oh, the, the kings in, in this time, King Nebuchadnezzar or, or Sennacherib, whoever was king, if these guys were in a foul mood, in a bad mood, you did not know, go near them. No matter who you were. No matter if he was your friend, because you did not know if he would just uh, put him to death. And Daniel goes to such a king. Daniel is willing to take a risk and trust the God who rules the impossible. Like I said, for God to rule the impossible, the impossible has to happen. And we are also living in, we are living in difficult times. Try and make this relevant to us. We are living in difficult times. They're often challenging and sometimes painful. We're in uncertain times in, in South Africa. We are living in impossible times. Times. But with this comes suffering and pain. But all of this provides the opportunity for our faith to make a visible difference in the lives of the people around us. God doesn't bring trials and suffering into our lives to, to make us go sit in a corner and grumble. He brings suffering into our lives so we can show the world our great God, how we rely on Him and His wisdom as we crawl, walk or run through our impossible task that lies before us. Like someone said, the reason why the Christian and the non-Christian suffer is so that the world may see the difference in how they deal with suffering. As a Christian, how do you deal with suffering? How do I deal with suffering compared to the non-Christian? Do people see the glory? Do they see the light? But we're trying to work out all the time is, why has God brought the suffering into my life? What is He trying to do? All He wants you to is trust Him 
with the impossible and reflect his glory into the people around you. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 67 says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God allows the impossible to happen in our lives to test our faith, to reveal if it's genuine. You know what goes in your heart. I don't. I don't see your heart. God sees your heart. God wants your faith to shine out clearly as a beacon of hope to those around us, to His praise and glory. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him. Not only when things go well, but when there are tough times, impossible times. And yeah, in Daniel chapter 2, we witness Daniel. Daniel's character, Daniel's, Daniel showing us how to trust God who rules the impossible. We know that chapter 2 opens up with King Nebuchadnezzar having, a, having dreams which troubled his spirit and his sleep left him. He's having nightmares. He's having anxiety attacks. And we can say that God gave Nebuchadnezzar the dreams that he couldn't understand which caused him distress and sleepless nights. God has put this in. And God is now going to communicate truth to a pagan Gentile king. And this is all evidence of his grace and mercy towards the Israelites. God is always working. Through people, through things around us. But he gives us the wisdom in his word. He gives us his word to look at him. To walk through the impossible. Yeah, we can say in Daniel chapter 2, God is still revealing himself, progressively revealing himself as God, as who he is. We know that God gave dreams to Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41. Also a Gentile ruler. And Joseph interpreted them for the good of God's people. This dream is for the good of God's people. It's also a future looking for us as well. Who's going to destroy all these kingdoms? But the question is, does God still use dreams to communicate His will for us today? God can do as He pleases. But isn't this, I don't think, is God's usual approach. He was making something known for, for us who have the book of Daniel. God is revealing himself, God is, which is special revelation, so it can be written down, so we can know this God and understand this God. God guides us today through his word and prayer, through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. For me, the danger of trusting dreams is they may not come from God. The problem why we always look at our dreams is because the world is saying, look inwardly and you will find the answers for your life. God, look inwardly and God will talk to you. But no, we have an objective truth. We have an alien righteousness, means it comes from outside of us. 
You know, when you look at, look at the Jewish, the, the, you look at Judaism, the Israelites, at their God, he was outside of them, the God of Israel, the God, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look at the Gentiles, if you look at all the gods and everything they worship, was also outside of themselves. But as soon as the Enlightenment happened, subjectivism has come into our, 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 our walk with God, and we always, people, they look inwardly. Look inwardly. Listen to that voice. God's talking to you. Jeremiah warns us. Jeremiah 23, verses 25 to 32, shows that demonic forces can cause dreams that are Satan's lies and not God's truth. Read Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 25 to 32, and you'll see demonic forces at work in the dreams of the false prophets. I would say it's dangerous to accept dreams as messages from God. I'd rather trust God's word to help me through my sufferings than dreams, because my word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And in, in Jesus is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And it's to God I look. And why? Because it brings me back to Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 long ago and in many times and in many ways, including dreams, visions, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. In Jesus is our final revelation of God's will and who God is. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And Peter helps us in, in his letter. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then in, in 2 Peter, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. For me, I trust in God's Word. For me, I don't trust in myself because I'm tainted with sin. And God fully expressed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. So if you want to know what God's doing in your life, go to the scriptures and trust God with the impossible. And here we see King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he asks all his professional interpreters, the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans, he summoned them and he called them to come and tell them his dreams. But he asks the impossible. He brings an extraordinary complication. He tells them they must find out the dream itself. They must tell them, they must tell him what his dream was and the interpretation. Otherwise, they're going to have their limbs torn from them and their houses are going to be flattened to ruin. And it's better off not to be a, a magician or a sorcerer or an enchanter in those days. Because the king relied on you. And kings had dreams. 
And their dreams always told them something about their earthly kingdom. And this dream brought fear into the heart of King Nebuchadnezzar. His dream caused him distress. But the king asks of an impossible thing. Like I said, he, he has given them such an impossible demand. A demand that was too difficult according to their worldview or theology. This is quite embarrassing in one sense because this tells me, and I'm going to say this on the phone as well, that every other worldview or religion out there is a fake. It's false. Purely because what these Chaldeans say and how they answer. They tell the king. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. There's not a single person on this earth that can tell us the future or what God is going to do going forward and how he's going to do it. We have enough in scriptures to know which way the world is going. We know enough for our end times. But there's not a single guru, prophet or whatever can actually say, I know the future. No, you're lying. Only God knows the future and God holds it in his right hand. And Jesus is the one that upholds, by the word of his power, this world, not man. And then, he, and then, he, and then, they, then they go on to say, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the God's whose dwelling is not with flesh. Again, a lie. We know the true God, the God of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He knows He dwells with His people. And they're telling us that no God can tell us, can show the king except the God whose dwelling is not with the flesh. Where does our God dwell with us today? In the flesh. In our hearts, when we believe, put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He pours God's love into our hearts. He indwells us in the flesh. He lives with us. But they say, no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Again, how impossible it is for humans to truly interpret dreams from God. The gods don't reveal their plans. How can they when they are idols? But our God reveals his plans. Our God who loves his children. You know, just, just reading around, there's a book, Jesus Among Secular Gods by Vince Vitali. And it says here that that, that Allah does not even love. Who would want to worship a God that doesn't love his people? Islam, the Quran, has extremely little to say of God's love. And Al-Ghazali, arguably the most influential Muslim, after Muhammad pronounced that Allah remains above the feeling of love. No one's to serve a God like that. He doesn't even love the prodigal, the wasteful. And we have the beautiful story of the prodigal son. 
That's the other person who Allah does not like is the one who is wasteful. You can't even call Allah Father. It's wrong. He does not love the arrogant, the boastful. He does not love the transgressors. He does not love the evildoers, the corruptors, or the ungrateful sinners. He does not love anyone given to treachery or sin. And he does not love those who ignore his commands. He is certainly the enemy of disbelievers. In Islam, if you love and obey Allah, you may be loved back. But our God loves us in spite of. Do we see how, how, how that's why when you read the, the prayers, of, or when I read Daniel now, and he just, for you have given me wisdom and might, and you have made known to me what I've asked of you, for you have made known to us God's matter. He just wants to give thanks to God. He knows he doesn't deserve this. He's unworthy. The prayer I read in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 by David, the same thing. He just wants to give praise and thanks to God. He knows he's unworthy. We know what David did. He committed adultery. He was a murderer. God's grace and God's forgiveness calls us to, to fall down and just praise Him and thank Him, knowing we don't deserve anything from Him. But God does reveal His plan. Amos tells us in chapter 3, verse 7, For the Lord God does nothing without revealing His secret to His servants, the prophets. God never put any of His people in a, a position where they had no answer. He never put them in a position where their back was against the wall. He always provided a way out. And it was either through death or from death. What a gracious and loving God we serve, who is both able and willing to reveal His plans and purpose to mankind. And where is He shown that today? In the sacred scriptures. We have the mind of Christ. If we're reading the scriptures and renewing our minds daily, we will not be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the, by, the, by, the, by the transforming of our mind to know God's will, which is pleasing and acceptable and good. And, and this king is furious. His men, even though they cannot help him, they even go and look for the wise men who are about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to, to kill them. And then we see how Daniel reacts. And we'll look at that, Lord willing, next Sunday. The second thing we want to look at when it comes to believing that God rules the impossible. Because God brings the impossible demand to light. God is always there wanting to help us. He's giving us wisdom. Like I said, I don't, know, I don't know what the impossible is in your life. But are you looking to God? Are you looking to His Word and, and, and His teachings to help you? God has the whole course of history in the palm of His hands. And He rules and does as He pleases. The king's demand was humanly impossible, but Daniel knew the God of the impossible. Are you willing to turn 
to the God who rules the impossible. And trust him with your impossible. Because there on the cross we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins. We know that Jesus died on the cross to bring us to his Father. But, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. We have wisdom from God, who is in Christ Jesus. We have righteousness, we have sanctification, and we have redemption. But we have wisdom. In Jesus is hidden all the treasures of wisdom to help us with our impossible tasks, so that we who boast, we boast in the Lord, that it was all He's doing, not ours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Daniel. We thank you that we can look to him and see how he didn't panic, how he showed character, and with prudence and discretion he approached Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, to inquire. And then he went to the king. What boldness, knowing that he could have his head chopped off that same day because of the king's mood. The Father, help us. Help us to not become like Daniel, but to trust in Daniel's God, like he trusted in God through the impossible, knowing that God rules the impossible. Forgive us, Father, when we turn away from you and we trust in our own human wisdom and we we look at other self-help things, we can let people to see they can help us and come up with humanistic answers instead of running like Daniel did, how he went to his God, the God of heaven. Help us, Father. Thank you again that you've not left us in the dark. You've given us your word, which is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, so we can walk in your ways, honour you and glorify you through the impossible. Thank you, Father, that you rule the impossible. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.